You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And lately, I've been on the mission to help people take more ownership of their careers and their lives as well as I'm working on a book in that space and eventually maybe transitioning this podcast to be more about that. Um, But I'm looking out for guests who can help inspire us all to follow our dreams, fulfill our potential, and own our careers and our lives. And I've got a great one for you today. Jesse Iwuji is a U.S. Naval officer, a NASCAR driver, a keynote speaker, a motivational speaker, and an entrepreneur who owns two businesses. And what's amazing about Jesse is, you know, not only did he go uh, play football for and run track for the U.S. Naval Academy, which is incredible as you know as it is. Um, but he went on from there and decided that he wanted to get into professional racing without a background in racing at all and uh, wrote it down and managed to achieve his goals and become a NASCAR driver. And not only is that amazing to go from Navy to NASCAR, but he is black and he's racing in a sport that is predominantly white. uh, And I'm sure he's faced many challenges along the way to get there. And uh, I'm excited to share some of his story with you today with the goal of inspiring you to look at those things you've been putting off and start taking some action toward achieving your goals. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Jesse Iwuji, U.S. Naval officer and NASCAR driver. Enjoy. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Jesse Iwuji, naval veteran and active uh, duty member, NASCAR driver, entrepreneur, business owner, um, you got a lot of stuff going on and I'm really excited to connect with you and, and hear some of your story. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, no, it's been a pretty cool journey over the last few years. And yeah, you know, being active duty in the Navy, starting my racing career while active duty now in the Navy Reserve, still racing in NASCAR, moving my way up to the top level. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty fun journey. For sure. Um, so I'm curious how and why did you go into the Navy in the first place? Yeah, so, um, you know, originally I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, both of my parents, they immigrated from Nigeria in the 80s um, before settling down in, the, in Dallas and having me and my two brothers and my sister. And uh, growing up in, in Texas, uh, football is, you know, the big thing there. So, yep. um, you know, I had this big goal and dream to go off to college and play college football. And uh, while I was going through high school, I was working on getting myself better at football because I wasn't really great at first. And I was, as I was grinding, as I was working really hard to, you know, eventually get a chance to get seen by some schools, eventually the Naval Academy started recruiting me um, towards my senior year in high school. And I just looked at the opportunity as a great one to go off to a really good school, get a really great education, and also be able to uh, serve um, as an officer in the Navy when I graduate. And the football team was doing really good, too. So all yeah. that, it was a great win. So that's kind of what led me towards the path of going into the Navy. And then, you know, went to the Naval Academy, played football four years. Uh, beat Army and Air Force all four years. And, nice. And <laughs> what position did you play? I played safety when I was at the academy. Um, I came as a corner, and um, I would say maybe two games into my freshman year, so one of our safeties got hurt. They moved me to safety, and I was you know playing safety for the rest of the time I was there. 
But um, that defensive back was pretty much my thing my whole life. Man, you got to be fast to play corner and safety. Those I was I'm a track athlete also. I ran track all four years in high school and in college. So, um, yeah, track was my, my second love. Wow. And what did you run? Uh, I was a sprinter. I was a sprinter. So, um, on an indoor track, I ran a 60-meter. An outdoor track, I ran a 100-meter and the 200. Um, and then also ran a four-by-one relay. So, um, you know, 100, 100 stuff was probably my most favorite stuff. In, in high school, the 200 was really my favorite event. But that's okay. Everyone got really, really fast. So I was like, God, let me just go to the 100. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in high school, I ran the, uh, the, high, the 110 high hurdles and the 300 hurdles, but I was much better at the 110 high hurdles, the, the short sprint. I couldn't really do the, the 300 is a stuff. beast. It was a beast. And I think once I ran like a 400 hurdle race. Yeah. That's big, oh and God. it was just brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. I was like, no I one realizes like how difficult that is to run, to sprint 400 meters, but not only sprint 400 yeah. meters, Hard itself to jump over very high hurdles right. on your sprint. It is, I mean, that is a like that is a race. Like you, yeah. There's 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 not much harder than that. No, it was hard. I felt like I was going so slow too, and I, I don't know <laughs> if I did well in that one, but I I did pretty well in the one tonight hurdles. And the, the interesting thing learned from that too is like you think short distance, it's all about um, speed, but really it's a lot more about technique, yeah. right, yeah. and form going through. Uh, then it is like moving as fast as you can. And once I got that down, I, I excelled. But then I ran into some really serious competition at the end of my at the end of my career and, and didn't um, didn't make it on to run in college. But that's pretty awesome that you did at Navy. And I'm curious, you know, playing college football already is, uh, you know, uh, you're obviously an elite athlete. But I've always been intrigued by the idea of playing sports like football at, in an armed forces uh, academy like the Naval Academy, where it's probably not the hardest thing you're doing all day, right? There's, there's, you know, tough classes and drills. And what was that like? Yeah. So um, being at the Naval Academy, yeah, there's all different kind of things you got to deal with while there. Um, you have the military side of things, you have your classes. I mean, no matter what major you take at the Academy, you see everyone still has to take uh, calculus one, calculus two, calculus three, physics one, physics two, chemistry one, chemistry two, thermodynamics, electrical engineering one, electrical mm -hmm. engineering two, Everyone has to take all those classes. I don't care if you're an English major, history major, it doesn't matter. You still have to take it. So dealing with all that stuff. And I'm talking about football is a full-time job itself. I mean, you have film during the day. You have weightlifting sessions. You have, um, you're just on, on the field practices. Uh, all that stuff together every single day preparing for the next team. That's like a full-time job itself. And then, you know, um, on the military side of it too, there's still, you know, we still have drills and formation and things like that go to and um, just still military type things we have to do all day. So your day gets pretty jam packed. I mean, you're up around six something in the morning. You're going to sleep around midnight, every yeah. night, 18 hour days, every single day. So um, learning how to balance all that stuff really helped me when I graduated from, from the Academy, going into the Navy and also what I'm doing now with NASCAR and my entrepreneur, my entrepreneurship stuff. I bet. I bet you feel like you can almost go out and achieve anything uh, after doing all that. Mm -hmm. And speaking pretty of much. that, I'm very curious. You grew up in Dallas, a big football town. You grew up playing football. You went and played ball and ran track in the Navy. How did you get into driving NASCAR? Yeah, so um, after I graduated from the Academy, I went into the Navy as an officer, and I was a surface warfare officer. So for those who don't know, surface warfare, we are on the ships, operating the ships. And uh, my first two ships I was on were in San Diego. Um, I spent four years on those first two ships. I went on two different deployments. Both of those deployments went over to the Arabian Gulf. I uh, spent about 15 total months between both those deployments and the Arabian Gulf. 
got to see a lot of cool stuff, go to a lot of cool places. And um, in between that time, between the deployments and coming back home to San Diego, um, during my off time on the weekends back home, I would go to different tracks um, nearby. So um, I would take my personal cars to these tracks and do open track days where they would open up the tracks to anyone who wanted to come and, and you know, do laps and all that right. stuff. I would go to different road course tracks in Southern California because there's quite a few. And after that, um, you know, a few years then, I finally just made a decision that I wanted to go after professional racing. I just thought, you know what, this is really cool. I love cars. I love going fast. Why not try to take this to the highest level? Why not try to become a professional race car driver? And I was in my room one night, and I just took my whiteboard off the wall, and I just wrote on the whiteboard, become a professional race car driver. It's literally where the journey started. And yeah. we'll talk about vision boards and everything. And that, right. that vision board, I, I wrote it down. But then after taking the vision that I had and putting it down on paper on this board, from there, it was taking actionable steps. Right. Every single day. Start doing that. You start putting that energy into the universe. All of a sudden, you start seeing doors, you know, open up that you never thought was there or you never saw maybe before. Mm. Paths start opening up. You start saying, well, man, where was this path yesterday? It wasn't there yesterday. Well, it wasn't yeah. there because you weren't putting that energy there to tell the universe that a path needed to open up for you. Because that's what happens. Like the moment you start focusing on something, you start putting the energy towards it. Like the universe will start getting out of your way. It's like, okay, I know where you want to go. And you start opening that up for you now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of that. I got my whiteboard over here off to my right. And uh, I'm always writing down my big goals and then telling people all the time, you got to break that down then into smaller goals, into habits. What are you going to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to make that happen? Because it's, first of all, most people don't even take the, the time to actually write down the big audacious goal because they don't even think it's possible, right? Just but keep it right here. They keep it up in their head and, and it's a dream, right? Um, but you wrote that dream down and said, I'm going to become a professional race car driver. What were the steps that you took after that to make that happen? Because you did start taking action every day. You couldn't just yeah. make a call and, and all of a sudden you're in NASCAR <laughs> and you're already driving on the track. But what are, what are a few things you did to make, make that happen? So right when I made that decision, I knew that my life from there, I needed to almost go into lockdown mode. And when I say lockdown mode, basically everything else didn't, need, didn't matter anymore. Mm. Besides the Navy, of course, that still right. matter. Right. But everything outside of that, like my personal life, as far as like, you know, back then I used to like, this was years ago, I used to go, you know, go partying all the time, go downtown, yeah. go all the time. All that stuff had to come to a screeching halt. I had to really put all my efforts in. So what I started doing on a daily basis was doing research. I tried to try to figure out, okay, I don't know much about racing at all, but let me start researching. And I, I had Google, Google's free. I can always go on there. There's a, a plethora of information on there. Right. On there, YouTube, all that stuff. And just start researching. How does one become a race car driver? And quickly, I found out that it's a uh, racing is very expensive. And it costs a lot of money. And there's a lot of negative people out there who, who maybe wish they could have done it, but never did it. And because they never did it, will try to tell you that you're never going to be able to do it. Yeah, you'll never make it. All those kind of people, and it, probably in every industry. So for me, I was like, you know what? I already had a vision. I already saw myself being a professional driver. I, like I already saw it clearly. If I already saw it, that means it, it's like it's going to happen. Yeah. So like no one's going to stop me. I don't care what you tell me or, or what you say I don't have or what I need to look like or where I need to come from. Right. Like I'm going to make it. So I started putting action towards research and research and research and putting energy, started going to more um, live races um, just to meet people. All of a sudden I went to a car show out of nowhere, went to a car show 
I had nothing to do with racing. I met a guy who was racing late model stock cars, and he had no um, he had no clue what my aspirations were to be a pro driver. We were just talking because you know he was a car guy and I was a car guy. And we just happened to be talking. Well, the waves, and then um, I went to a porta potty to go use it, and he happened to be in the one that I was going to go use. So I'm waiting. And right when he comes out, I'm about to walk in, and we see each other again. I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, I saw you earlier. What's up? And then he just his first words out of his mouth was like, you know what? I was just thinking. Would you be interested in like maybe testing out a stock car? I know you like doing track days and stuff, but would you like to test out like a like an oval track car? I was like, yeah, I yeah, would. yeah. <laughs> he had no clue that I wanted to be a pro driver. Like he just yeah. The thing with the universe, the universe starts putting these people and things and paths yep. away because you're putting the energy towards it. So I was like, okay, Jesse, like you know, the last two months you've been working on putting your mind to this. We're gonna here's your first nugget. Boom. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, me and him are, 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 are I meet up with this team two months later after that, I do a test, it went really, really well, and then it just clicked right there. And actually on that same weekend that I met him, it just so happened to be that the very next day I was going to my first NASCAR race to watch. I'd never been to a NASCAR race. So mm-hmm. just all that same weekend. And I remember after that weekend, I was thinking, I was like, you know what, maybe this is some type of sign. Like I meet this guy, if he wants me to test out a stock car, I'm going yeah. to my stock car race. I was like, maybe NASCAR is a route that I need to go. I never thought that that would be it. I thought maybe it'd be like sports cars or something like that, but yeah, NASCAR. And, and that's where that journey started. I was like, you know what? I see myself being different in the sport. There's never been a naval officer racing in NASCAR. There's never been an active duty person um, from the Navy period or, or really any services, you know, very long time racing in NASCAR. I think since like yeah. the 60s. I was like, I, I'm going to be different in this sport and different is good. So that's, yeah. this is the path I'm going in. And then from there, it's full focus on to now go try to find the money to race with this team because it costs money to race every race. I had to start a small business to make extra money on the side because maybe lieutenant pay was good, but it wasn't like racing good. Yeah. To do all these little things on the outside, I had to find all these means to an end. And, and I always tell people like, you know, you might have this goal that you're set on, you're going after this goal, but understand there's like resources that you'll need to get there. But sometimes you've got to, wiggle outside of your line to get those resources to come back. Just know where your path is and know you got to get back. But just don't think that you can only focus on this and that's that and you can't look at anything else because right. help help has to come from different angles. That's the yes. only way that you can make it work if you're starting from nothing. Yeah, you got to be willing to ask for help. You got to be willing to invest. I think that's another thing. A lot of people that write it down say, oh, you know, I'd have to do this, but I would have to invest a lot of money or time. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's worth it. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but you went all in on that invested the time and the money, um, found the right people, said yes to the opportunities, got help. Um, now, you mentioned being a Navy officer and being very different going into the sport. Um, it's also, I think, important to point out, too, you mentioned your, your parents immigrated from Nigeria, that you're black, right? And that's also, I think, I don't really watch NASCAR, but from what I understand, pretty rare in, in the sport of NASCAR. And I'm wondering... Only two African Americans in NASCAR are racing at the at the top three series. So um, there's yeah. other Americans racing in like some of the late model stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, but as far as the um, as far as the top top three tier series, um, there's only three. Or sorry, there's only two. Me and Bubba Wallace. I'm in the NASCAR Truck Series. He's in the NASCAR Cup Series. Okay, and that's out of how many total drivers of those top? Um, of all, all three of those series, I would say because there's some part time drivers. People kind of go in and out, right? But but. I would say each series, let's say, I don't know, like 50, 60 drivers per series or something like right. that. 50, let's say 50 drivers a series, you know, total who kind of come in and out, some are full-time, some are part-time, but 
Yeah, about 150 people. <laughs> yeah, right. And it, yeah, and it's historically, right? It's a, it's a pretty wide sport. So for you to break into that is awesome, right? Is is just great uh, proof of progress. And and Bubba Wallace was in the news recently um, because of some potentially racist stuff that was going on. I'm just wondering, have you faced challenges, you know, as uh, a, a, an only, right, underrepresented from an underrepresented yeah. group being black in racing. Yeah, so, um, you know, as far as like being at the track and, and, and racing, um, I wouldn't say I've ever felt any racism like towards my face at all. I mean, who knows if anyone said anything behind my back, but at least in my face, no one's ever said anything. And maybe just because they fear what could happen. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> they see the neighbor shirt and the, yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I haven't had anything happen to my face. But um, as far as like, you know, always online on, uh, on social media, you'll always find trolls. Yeah. People, with, with this new age, we have, I call them uh, keyboard warriors. People, yeah. These really tough warriors behind the keyboard, they hide behind whatever avatar, they can't even show their face. They have like two followers, you know, things like that. And they'll sometimes say some really nasty stuff. It's very racist stuff. I mean, even just, uh, it was like two months ago, um, not even like, a month and a half ago, um, someone took one of my pictures, um, kind of almost like this background you see right here, took one of my pictures mm. and um, wrote the N-word all the way across it and posted it on Instagram. Mm. Hey, it was no question about it. No, like it was N-I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. anyways, that happened, but things like that happened and that wasn't just a one-time incident. That, something like that has happened almost every year over the last probably four or five years or so. Yeah. Um, at least once, sometimes more, multiple times. And so, and, you know, maybe it's the same person doing it each time. Maybe they're just creating different accounts. Maybe it's different people. I don't know. But people right. want to, you know, think they're funny and it's whatever. It doesn't bother me. At the end of the day, I know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, I know I'm going to be at a way higher level than them. Yeah. Um, I know God will have his way with the bad people. How do you, I, I love that. And uh, I have no doubt that you, you face a lot of challenges there. And it just, it blows my mind that someone would not only take the action to do that, post it on Instagram, like, how does that make them look? It just won't go down that that hole because it just. Why they hide? That's why they hide because it's not like yeah. Not, they don't use their personal profile to do it. It's like they create some little fake account and yeah, and go up burner account and just do it. It's just people don't have a life, and it's fine, you know. At the end of the day, you know, I, I put on my Navy uniform, you know, every single month because I'm in the yeah. reserve now, and I, you know, we fight for our freedoms in this country, for people's freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Yeah. Sometimes it's negative. Sometimes what they have to say isn't very polite at all. Right. But um, you know what? We're fighting for everybody else's freedoms too, so that they can say all the polite things that they want to say. So right, you know, it's yeah. all good. Put my uniform on, and I know what to expect. And it's all good. Yeah. So, well, speaking of that, and and freedom of speech and and everything, I'm curious. You know, while we're on that topic, you know, we're just uh, a few weeks removed from the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and marches yeah. in cities all over the country. I'm curious, what what did that movement mean to you? Or what has it? Yeah, been? I mean, it, uh, what's been great for me to see is really all the changes that have been happening around the country. I think a lot of companies, a lot of institutions, a lot of places are actually proactively <clears throat> trying to make some changes. They're actually yeah. like, hey, we're not going to like just talk about it because this is the thing I hate the most. The thing I hate the most is this like word awareness, right? Mm -hmm. I, I hate, I hate. <laughs> Let's do this to bring awareness. We don't need any more awareness. Like we already know. Like how many more times can you tell me about? A certain issue like we already know let's actually do something to make a change mm. put money towards something if you're going to put resources towards something you're going to do whatever let's do something that will actually change someone's life or people's life and i think a lot of 
companies, a lot of people have been doing different things. NASCAR, they're like, you know what? We're our first one of our first proactive changes is we're going to ban the Confederate flag so we can make sure that everyone feels um, um, comfortable coming to the races. I mean, a lot of black people hadn't come to these races because, like, I mean, if you don't know much about the sport, but you thought, hey, maybe it might be interesting. All of a sudden, you look at it and you're like, there's a lot of Confederate flags. Yeah, I'm not welcome at these. At these I'm, I'm not welcome. Like, like, what do these people think about me? You don't know. You don't want to come in there and, and right. fighting a whole mob of people. You just don't know because for, for black people, when they see that flag, they see it representing a, a, a nation that wanted to keep black people super oppressed. Enslaved, yeah. All that stuff, you know? It's like, you know, it just, it's not good. And, I, and I'm glad the military has finally stepped up and been like, hey, you know, we're taking that away from anything too. You know, they're, they're even changing names to bases and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But because at the end of the day, like how I look at it is as, you know, you know, back in World War II timeframe or whatever, you know, you had Adolf Hitler, right, in Germany, mm-hmm. right? All his relics, everything he stood for, none of that stuff is still around. You don't see people right. in Germany driving some lifted truck with a Nazi flag behind it. It's all good. You know, like why right. in the U.S. people are riding around with a Confederate flag? Like, right. It's done. Like they lost the war. They're the loser. Stop supporting the loser. <laughs> I know. I live. I live in Florida. I see it. I still see it. Uh, yeah, in Florida, Georgia, all those places. It's just crazy to me. Like, what are y'all? Where are you rebelling from? <laughs> yeah, South Carolina. I think they still had on the Capitol building a few years ago. Uh, yeah, and yeah. they were the only state that weren't. I think they weren't celebrating Martin Luther King Day either. Uh, you know, it just takes a little more time yeah. in some places. Yeah, some places just still haven't learned, but it's all good. I mean, I think nowadays too, people are feeling more comfortable with exposing racist people too when they see mm-hmm. it. Yeah, people are getting called out, people are getting exposed, and that's good. At the end of the day, um, there's a few ways we can we can help eradicate racism. It's not going to be completely gone ever because right. it's just nature, but um, we can help uh, limit it a lot by one making racist people feel very uncomfortable with being racist why they can do what they do or do what they do is because people have like made them feel comfortable with being able to be there themselves and we can't let that happen. The other problem too is we just got to, at home, you got to teach the kids and then it starts with the kids. Kids come out of the womb with not knowing anything and for some reason they get, eventually as they grow up, how somehow they become racist and it's not like magic. It doesn't just happen. Like someone taught them certain ways, put certain images in their head, put certain thoughts in their head. Let's stop feeding them the negativity. Let's only feed them the positivity. Let's have them be positive people in society so that we can be the America we were always supposed to be. Love it. Absolutely. And I've got two kids and, uh, you know, we're trying to bring them up and teach them to teach, you know, treat everyone with love and equality and be aware of these things um, so they can call it out too, like you mentioned, because we, we can't just sit quietly. Um, so I know we'll have a few minutes left uh, and you've been on this this mission, you've achieved a lot of things. You've also started businesses. Um, and uh, you told me last time we talked, you're kind of on a mission to inspire more people like I am to, you know, really achieve their goals, to fulfill their true potential. Um, tell me more about your, your mission that you're on and, and what you're trying to achieve in the world. Yeah, um, you know, I, my biggest mission is really show people that we as people are um, very, very powerful. Our brains, our minds are so powerful. Like, you know, I've realized I've seen it over and over. I didn't even know at the time, but I've seen it even just with my journey to become a college football player or my journey to become a NASCAR driver, a professional race car driver, and all that stuff. I really I figured out that it wasn't anything particularly that I was doing. It was more of just where it started. And that was in my mind. Like in our minds, when we can conceive something and see it and clearly see the picture and know that this is what it is supposed to be, this is where my life's supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to accomplish. When you can see that, that means that you are 
fully capable of accomplishing it. So it all starts in our mind. And our minds, you know, I'm a huge believer with um, what you think about, you bring about. So as long as you keep putting that energy and that focus and that effort in your mind towards something every single day, you will literally attract it to your life. It's a law of attraction. And some people might think it's funky or whatever, but it is so true. I mean, how many times have you been sitting there and you were thinking about someone and then you're like, you know what? Let me give them a call. Let me shoot them a text. You give them a call, shoot them a text, and they were like, I was just like, I was just thinking about you too. Yes. Yeah. Attraction right there. We put out energy waves into the into the world, and that's what starts attracting things to our life. You start being negative, you're gonna start attracting negative Nancy's into your life, and bad things will continuously happen over and over and over. And it, that's why I like I try to keep my mind as positive as possible. So what I'm trying to show people is hey, like if you can just use your mind and, and, and know how and understand how powerful it is and understand how powerful your mindset um, is when you when you use it in the right ways, you can achieve a lot. And that's why I'm doing everything I'm doing. I, I'm in the Navy Reserves. I'm racing in NASCAR on national TV. I'm doing other TV stuff. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I have two businesses that I'm running full time. Um, uh, I mean, I do some Hollywood stuff here and there. You know, I'm doing all these different things just to yeah. show that we are so capable like like the sky literally is the limit in fact actually there's no limit the only limit is yourself um yeah. just let yourself limit you and definitely never let other people's opinion of you become your reality because that is one thing that does limit people a lot let your good friends or your family limit you don't do that where you see yourself going that's where you can go and if it's too low aim higher because um you know the, the, one of the biggest problems in society nowadays is it's not that we aim super high and miss, is that we aim super low. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, be really intentional about where you want to go. Set those, set those goals high. Go after it. Don't let anybody's criticism hold you back. Obviously, you are a great role model for all those things. You're doing a lot. Uh, last question for you. As it relates to those things, I'm working on a book right now called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And I want to help inspire people to do more of exactly what you said. Uh, but when you hear the term own your career uh, or own your life, what does that mean to you? I love it. I love that saying right there. It's actually perfect because that's literally what you have to do. You have to own it. And it's kind of going off of that last quote I just said with the um, never let someone's opinion of you become your reality. So that's from uh, Les Brown. Um, heard that years ago. <clears throat> and that's actually when I first began this journey in NASCAR and I was trying to learn how to take control of my mind. It was just about, it's just like, like, well, what you doing? Like, own your career, own your life. Um, you have to understand that you are in control of it. You are in full control. Things aren't just happening for no any random reason. Like no one's getting lucky to get to where they're going and nothing bad luck isn't just happening just to happen to end your day or end whatever you're doing. Like at the end of the day, you own and control the whole process, the entire thing. You choose if it's going to go up or if it's going to go down. Like the amount of effort, the amount of energy, the amount of time, the amount of focus, the amount of brain power you're putting towards it, that's what's going to control you going up and up and up and whatever you're trying to do. So you can own your life. You can own your career. Your mind is that powerful where you can literally, it just manipulates things and can bring it all in. Fear is just something made up in the mind just to keep you safe because your mind wants to, you know, your brain wants to keep you in a safe place. It doesn't want you stressing out. It doesn't want you exerting yourself too hard, this and that. It wants to stay in a safe place. For you to accomplish these extraordinary things, you got to get out of that safe place and go to an uncomfortable place and be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, and, and when you do that, that's when you begin learning how to truly own your life and, and own your career. 
I love it. Could not have said it better myself. Jesse, this has been awesome. For anybody listening who wants to uh, continue to follow you and learn more from you, where should they go? Yeah, anybody wanting to continue following, I'm, I'm on all the social media platforms. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, just look up my name, Jesse Wuji. That's uh, J-E-S-S-E. Last name is I-W-U-J-I. If you can't remember how to spell it, go into Google and type in maybe NASCAR driver. And I should be the only one that pops up for about five, six pages. So uh, maybe NASCAR on Google, you'll see me, you'll see my website, you'll see some of my social media, follow me on there, very easily reachable, you can DM me whenever and I'll answer you within like a day or so, um, but um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Also, I have a website, jessewooji.com, which is currently in the middle of some revamping, so it should be back up here shortly, nice. but um, social media is probably the best place right now. Social media, that's what I tell people as well. Awesome. I'm going to hang up and go follow you on Instagram. Jesse, thank you so much for making the time for this interview. This has been awesome and inspiring. And uh, I look forward to keeping in touch and seeing where you go from here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jesse Wuji. He is an inspiring dude. I am so glad I got a chance to connect with him and interview him. And he's young. I think he's only 32. um, And uh, he is on a mission to achieve so much, inspire so many people. I know he's going to be really successful. So I'm looking forward to connecting and staying, uh, following him and staying connected. Um, I hope you got something out of that episode. If you did, write it down, make a note, take some action. And finally, in the episode, in the interview, I mentioned that I'm working on a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. You may have heard me mention that before. Um, I'm planning on publishing that later in uh, 2020. And if you are a career professional, if you're an employee, if you work for a company, you're in a career and you are aspiring to get the most out of life and you are interested in joining my advanced reader team to get an early copy of that book, you can go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com and just sign up right there. Just put in your name and your email address. That's ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. And that's it. I'll send you updates and an advanced copy when the book comes out. Uh, and we'll, of course, ask for your help with a review and promotion as well. Thanks again for listening. I really, really appreciate you, and I will see you next time.